I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome to our Kardashian Season 3, Episode 9 Recap. Hey, Joel. Hi, Em. It's not sitting right with me that we only got one more till the finale. No, nobody asked for this. It's crazy. It's like TV did not used to be like this. 10 episodes just feels like we, we could be getting 15 minimum. 10 is just like edging. Yes, yes, which I'm not necessarily opposed to. I am when it's Kardashians. I know. I mean, I love this episode. It wasn't two weeks ago where we ended with Chris's birthday party, but it was excellent. I thoroughly enjoyed. I mean, last week we had a Courtney break, but she really came back to play again this episode. I was so not expecting a follow-up. You know, like I really thought that conversation between the two of them was pretty much the most we were going to see about that. And here we get round two with the, the motive behind the drive. Did you feel like the follow-up was for Courtney or for cameras? See, a normal response to that question would be like, well, probably a little bit of both. But to me, I just can't imagine if I'm Courtney thinking that that betters my point on camera. So I'm going to have to go to say for Courtney. Okay, see, my point of view was like, I can't imagine bringing these points to the table unless somebody is forcing me to do it. Well, first of all, I definitely don't think that she was forced. I mean, this was, we'll we'll obviously get into it. We're going to go scene by scene like normal, but I know a therapist notes app when I see it. And this was absolutely some thoughts formed in therapy. I'm not saying they were the therapist's words exactly, but thoughts formed in therapy written down to then be regurgitated. And that is what was going on here, if you were to ask me. Yeah, especially sitting on it for as long as she did to then bring it back up, totally. You know, you process things. That's not abnormal. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of time digesting, but the way in which it was brought up, which by the way, if I'm Kim, which again, obviously we will get into this, she's sitting there like, (laughs) you sure? When Kim says that her calmness is her superpower, there is no time that it is more evident than in a conversation with Courtney. It's like Kanye is one thing. Dealing with the Kanye stuff is one beast. To be in the moment dealing with what Courtney is saying and remain that calm is like, you are 100% right. Like you are a fucking sky high level superhero right now. 
Because that's the thing, her being so unaffected doesn't allow for the conversations to heat up in the way that they would have a few years ago. It's such a role reversal, honestly, because it's like, we're so used to seeing Courtney on the receiving end of a conversation being like so apathetic. I remember all of those conversations between her and Scott, where it was just a bunch of, mm-hmm, yeah. And that like, that like angering us so much because we're like, just react in some sort of a way. And now I feel like that's the role that Kim has taken on it. But in a way, and I'm sure if, I mean, if you are coming at it from the perspective of being a diehard Courtney fan, this probably comes across as a very hypocritical statement and it very well may be. But I'm somehow not annoyed by the apathy here because I actually think it is the least reactive approach one can have. Yeah, I know. I totally agree. But it, I, I think that if you're a Courtney fan, then the apathy, I can't tell. Like, does the apathy annoy you or do you feel like Courtney's being heard? Because I, I don't know what the perspective of that is. Right. I mean, there is a world in which Kim comes back in a deeply rude way. And that's not what she was doing. I, I think that if you're Courtney, at least in this scene, you don't feel dismissed by Kim. I mean, Kim was hearing her, receiving it, and then responding calmly. Yeah. I, I guess it's just, I was thinking it from my point of view of what I would be capable of doing in that moment. And it wasn't receiving it calmly. I don't know though. I mean, it, it's so hard to try to put yourself in their shoes. It's like nearly impossible. Although that's the whole fun of the show. It's one of the reasons we enjoy it so much. But I think that at this point, both of them, not just Kim, Courtney also, all three of them, they're so clear in just how different of places they're in that like it makes it a lot easier to react in this way. You know what? We'll save the rest of it for when we really get into it because I feel like we need both of their words behind it to really have the full effect of it. But just know that like I I have a lot of things to say there. Somehow that wasn't the scene that I was the most drawn to though. Honestly, like even though it was one of the more minor, I could have watched behind the scenes of Chloe at the PCAs all day. That was the scene you were most drawn to? I'm not saying it was the most drawn to, but I was fascinated because remember when she went on stage us saying like, oh my God, she looks so gorgeous, but also what's going on with her hair? Like I remember we were texting about that at the time and to get the behind the scenes of her wardrobe malfunction. Like you don't get that with your average celebrity. What I could have watched all fucking day of was Kim, Kendall, and Kylie sitting in Kim's closet. Like to me, that is a, a, a trio you see so rarely, but works so well together. Well, what about this intro scene with Chloe, Kylie, and Courtney? That was a great one. Well, <laughs> would you like to get into it? Yeah. You like that little transition? <laughs> Loved it. So we start out with Kylie coming over to Courtney's to do her makeup, which at first glance, this would appear to be the type of scene very much set up for filming, which I'm sure in some ways it is, given the fact that Chloe just so happens to be there. However, if you've been watching for years, you know that Kylie doing their makeup is nothing new. She's really cultivated this skill set when it comes to doing makeup. And it's kind of a thing that now and again, she'll do their glam. It's funny with Courtney too, because I feel like she's the most into that because she also like will have Alabama do her glam sometimes. Like it's very funny to watch her test all of them out. It's a really wonderful skill to have a friend or family member that just so happens to be very capable of makeup, specifically when you're someone who isn't. Because obviously you don't want to overuse that benefit. You're not asking them to take the place of Mary Phillips. However, in a pinch, it really comes in handy. It's like how I feel about you with, with a blow dryer. You just know what the fuck you're doing. You do. Do you think I overplay my hand with that? I think that 
it's a little bit of an unfair assessment of my skills or not even an unfair assessment. I think you're giving actually too much credit to my skills because I don't know what I'm doing with a blow dryer. I only know what I'm doing with a Revlon, which is like a device a monkey could give you a blowout with. Yeah. And by the way, what's it to me? Because it's just the end product. <laughs> right. Right. As long as you're happy, I'm happy. I'm, I am more than happy. I am thrilled. I walk out of that chair and if I could leave you a Yelp review, I would, just so you know. Every time when you sit down, I'm like, and what are we doing today? <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Okay. So as I said, Kylie's doing Courtney's Glam. And really here is the scene that we get the conversation that has been teased to us all season about the beauty standards and their role in potentially setting those. And then on top of that, how they themselves have been affected by it. And you know what we're, we're seeing here, yes, of course, a larger conversation, but also on a more micro level, each of them voicing certain insecurities that maybe were formed by comments that were made within the family. You know, Kylie is saying, I was never once insecure about my ears until you guys had made comments about them. And this is going back to when she was very, very little and they were doing it in almost a loving way. Or Chloe saying, you know, I don't know if I would have gotten my nose done if mom hadn't made so many comments about it. And I mean, this is a conversation I could actually spend the entire episode on because I personally am very interested in this type of thing. But you know, it's a prime example of like, you have to be so careful, even when saying it playfully or even when saying it lovingly, pointing out anything in someone else's appearance because you never know the way that it's going to be received by them. And you never know how that can be carried for so many years. Well, we always talk about things that like really stick with us, like things that were made as a one offhand comment that like has stuck with us and it's still something we think about. It could be appearance based, it may not be, but specifically with appearance-based things, I think that those comments really stick. Like I always say to you about my small teeth, where like you you said to me once, like, where does that come from? I'm like, they're factually small. Like I factually don't like my teeth, but I can also remember somebody making a comment about how small they are one time that I never forgot about. Right. And, and that kid has no idea that he ever fucking said that. Meanwhile, it's something that you actively think about. I mean, I am sure, and I'm really curious if you feel comfortable, of course, we would never share this, but if you feel comfortable when you were watching this scene, if you thought of something in the moment that someone made a one-time passing comment to you, not even rudely, you know, it wasn't necessarily meant to be malicious, but if someone pointed something out that has then become an internalized insecurity, I'd be really curious to hear that because, you know, my mind immediately went there. There are certain moments in my life I can absolutely pinpoint. And it's unfortunate that then all of a sudden it becomes on you to do the work that was someone else's issue. It's like, why am I carrying this thing that someone else put on me? And now I have to do all this work to unlearn that. Well, what we always say when it comes to them having this conversation is that they are both the victims of the beauty standard, the product of the beauty standard, but also in a lot of ways, setting the beauty standard. And so their specific things and their specific thoughts around it and the things that affect them are so fascinating to me. Like, I really want to go through everything that they said in the course of this conversation. Yeah, I mean, in Kylie's confessional, she says, we all have our little things, so it's normal to be insecure sometimes. But I always just remember being the most confident kid in the room. I always loved myself. I still love myself. And one of the biggest misconceptions about me is that I was this insecure child and I got so much surgery to change my whole face, which is false. I've only gotten fillers and I feel like I don't want that to be a part of my story. I always want everyone to just love themselves. Which, I mean, even this in and of itself is a very loaded statement because again, and I actually genuinely don't mean this critically because I'm still trying to figure out where I stand on it, but this is a prime example of like, technically, do I think that Kylie is telling the truth in terms of 
facially? Has she maybe only had fillers and Botox? Absolutely. But they do these very strategic kind of omissions, right? Like at no point here does she list anything else she's had to her body. And I'm not saying that she has to. It's just very interesting when they're having the conversation yet only choosing to divulge certain parts of it, which again, that is their prerogative, but you kind of have to pick up the pieces. Well, I also think when the headline comes out, which isn't necessarily their fault because Kylie did say, I've had fillers, but I think when the headline comes out and you're scrolling and you read it, it's like Kylie Jenner says she's never had plastic surgery and that is the headline. Like she has never had any plastic surgery on her face. The nuance of the difference between filler and Botox and surgery and lasers, like all of that stuff to the average person who isn't completely enmeshed in the culture of understanding those things all kind of goes under the same category. It's like to a lot of people, a filler and a plastic surgery procedure isn't that big of a difference. Of course, specifically if you live in LA, specifically if you've grown up around a lot of that, specifically if all of your friends are doing it, you know that there's a big difference and you take a lot of pride probably in that difference. And I think Kylie finds a lot of safety and security in pointing out those differences. But if you're somebody who has literally no idea what the difference between all of these things are and you just see a headline, Kylie said she's never had plastic surgery, you're like, okay, she's full of shit because obviously her face looks different. It's very hard when you aren't somebody who's fully understanding of the way that filler and the way that Botox can change your face to look at somebody with a different face and say like, oh, I believe her. Right, and of course there's a piece to that that they can't control because obviously depending on how informed you are on this type of thing, when you're receiving that information, you may view it in a different way. I just, on the most baseline level, Kylie specifically out of any of them, when she talks about this thing, I am really listening because I feel she talks about it so infrequently. Like, I don't think she has ever once, you know, talked about her boobs or anything she's done to her body. I remember when Stas was on Call Her Daddy and she kind of alluded to some of the work that she has had done and actually talking about regretting some of it. I remember thinking, even though the two are completely different, this to me feels like the closest we've ever gotten to Kylie talking about it. Well, I feel like from the time that we've known Kylie to be her own person rather than the little sister of the family, this has kind of been a plot line that has followed her. And not that she speaks about it so frequently that we've really understood it, but just in terms of understanding Kylie and the journey that she's been on with her lips and getting filler and creating the lip kits, like it's it's something that we've always had a very baseline understanding of in the way that it affects Kylie. And also we've seen her, I think, I think we've seen her grow the most in front of our eyes and therefore change the most in front of our eyes. And it's something that because the lips kind of tuned us into that, we've always paid a little bit closer attention to, I think, not me and you specifically, but everybody. She didn't say this, but I almost wish she did because this is the way that I was receiving it when she was like, you know, I think there was this narrative that I was this really insecure kid. And she's like, I wasn't, I, you know, I always, I always loved myself. I always felt like the most confident kid in the room. That was a moment where I think she could have said, it was my lips that I was deeply insecure about. And I did something about that. And potentially that, you know, helped to kind of ignite that narrative. Because one of the reasons everyone was so focused on that is because of what you said, because her lack of confidence solely around her lips did become a massive storyline. I mean, it was her storyline that she brought to the show, but it wasn't that Kylie herself was lacking confidence in, in her more generally. It really was like pinpointed on her lips. That was the main focus. Right. And it was from such a young age that you had that understanding of it. 
Right. And then on top of that, which is by no means an overwhelming point, but I do think it's something worth mentioning, as Kendall's modeling career really started to take off, you saw certain moments with Kylie where that seemed to be something that impacted her. I mean, if you go back in the day when Kendall started to really gain steam, there was a little bit of jealousy there from Kylie. And it was, I think, more so associated with the way that Chris was handling the whole thing. I mean, I'm talking if you really go back, but certain things like that are possibly things that the public picked up on and then made the assumption that she was generally insecure when that wasn't necessarily the case. By the way, not that there's anything wrong with being insecure, but to go into Chloe for a second, when she says here, you know, that's how I accumulated all of mine is from other people. Mine are not self, trust me. I had the most confidence. I was chubby and in a skin tight bodycon dress. You couldn't tell me otherwise. Society gave me insecurities. And she says in her confessional, I've been torn apart from the minute I've gone on TV. I didn't look like my sisters, so therefore I'm not good enough. And then when I started changing my look, you get better makeup, you do fillers, you do whatever. I had a nose job and there's still people constantly bullying you. It's like, so which one is it? You didn't like me then. You don't like me. You have to do things for yourself. We're still growing up in front of the cameras, regardless of how old we are. We're still growing and evolving. And it's just unfair, I think, to have so much pressure put on people. I think we're all trying to do the best that we can. Which, I mean, there is so much there because this is the conversation we've had about Chloe for years now. I think this concept that Chloe has really taken to, which is a really important reminder, I think, in general for everybody and the way that we approach people is just like, this is our first time doing life. Like we are going to mess up along the way and we don't exactly know how everything is meant to be handled or approached. And I think Chloe really specifically has the hardest time with that because I think out of anybody, she really has that feeling the most of like, I just can't win. I think that it falls the hardest on her because I think that she cares the most also. I think that Chloe's confidence used to come from this place of like really deeply not giving a fuck. Like that was the whole Chloe money attitude. Like the Chloe that we saw back in the day, the Chloe that people are always making memes of that's like, this Chloe would have ended Tristan. Like that Chloe genuinely didn't give a fuck. And that ability to not give a fuck, A, I think that as you get older, it can sometimes have that reverse effect. I think that people expect that when you get older, that feeling of not caring and and not thinking so much and not caring how much you appear and not giving so much of a fuck just automatically melts away. I think sometimes it can kind of have the reverse where like you're so much more aware of life and therefore you care so much more. And I think that that's something that Chloe really, really battles with. Yeah, in in such a big way. I mean, the, the part of this that wasn't discussed here, but is so necessary to mention is like, you know, here they were kind of zoning in on physical insecurities, which is a fascinating conversation that I'm so glad that they were having. When it comes to Chloe specifically, it's not just that the world has been so cruel to her about her physical appearance. It's also that the events of her life have really taken a hit at her confidence, at her feelings potentially of self-worth, at her trust in her own judgment of herself and of the world. And all of those things certainly play a role in one's more general confidence. And I know it wasn't mentioned here, but when it comes to Chloe, I do not believe that you can have those conversations separately because there's just a natural crossover that occurs. Yeah. I mean, and this is a journey that we've really seen Chloe on for years and years and the way that it is all so intertwined and connected. And, you know, every single up and down of Chloe's life, yes, of course, all of them, have been captured on TV and we've seen, but really Chloe more than anybody else. I think the highs are really high and the lows are really low. And I think that we've seen the way that 
that's kind of changed her personality over the years. And that's not necessarily a negative thing. I think we have seen the way that her confidence has changed. And I think that maybe she herself could perceive that as negative. But we've also seen a lot of qualities of Chloe that have also, I think, altered for the better. I think that she's a much softer, kinder person. I think a lot of that has become because of being a mother. And I just think that it's interesting, specifically zoning in on Chloe to watch her on this journey and every single area of her life changing and coming together and how that affects her. Like, I don't think that you get that the same with all of the others. You don't. I mean, they have all been very transparent over the years, but the level of vulnerability that you get from Chloe is different than any of the rest of them. And obviously part of that is because of the events that have occurred in her life. And, you know, you can't be vulnerable about something that isn't happening to you. So unfortunately, these things have happened and she is open to talking about them. But yeah, I mean, she is very much in a league of her own, which to get back to this conversation, because I know we could talk about this on, on a more macro level, she says, who knows? If I never heard mom talk about my nose, if I would ever think that I need a nose job. And Courtney says, right, I definitely heard her talk about your nose. And that's when Kylie says the comment about her ears and how for years she would never wear an updo. And then when she had Stormy and she saw that Stormy has her ears and you know she thinks Stormy is the most beautiful thing in the world, it made her want to celebrate her ears. And now she always wears an updo, which so many things to say here. Number one, prime example of like such small context we never would have had. Like I now can look back at red carpet photos of Kylie and probably pinpoint that change of when it switched. Like if you really wanted to do it, when Stormy was born, red carpets pre, red carpets post, like I'm sure someone on TikTok is putting together a very comprehensive graphic, which I would love to view. But like just hearing that thought process. And second of all, I know motherhood and parenthood has changed all of them. And to try to evaluate which one of them it's changed the most is entirely unfair and entirely unnecessary. From my perspective as the viewer, I see the most change with Kylie. To me, she really represents that idea that you hear about with parenthood, which you know we can't personally relate to not having kids, which is like you start to see the world through your kid's eyes. And I, I feel that w- with Kylie, I'm not saying it happens for her more than the rest of them. I'm saying she communicates that more, I think, than the rest of them. And when she made that comment, it just really tuned me into like, this is a realization she would not have had if it was not for having Stormy. I notice it the most with Kylie too, but I also think that part of that is the age of becoming a mother. Because with the others, they became moms at, you know, 30 years old or so. And so the maturity of going through life and then having kids, you know, they were growing as they were having kids. They were growing before they were having kids. Yes, Kylie was too, but in a very different way. Kylie was a very, very young mom. And so just at that point of having kids and just at that point of like entering a new phase of her life kind of happened at once. It jolted her into a different type of maturity. And I think that she grew a lot faster. And I also think that's why her relationship with everybody in the family is so unique. Like with Kendall, it's because they have this bond of being so close in age and having such a unique experience of growing up together. And I think that with Kim and Chloe and Courtney, so much of that comes from the ability to like bond with them on a level that had she been her own age and not had kids that she maybe wouldn't have been able to, not just because they bond over their kids, but there's just a certain maturity that comes with that. Totally. And you just see it with Kylie in in such a way. And I think it also hits for us, honestly, because we see her so much less frequently than Kim, Courtney, Chloe. So not to say we wouldn't feel that anyway, but it's also because when we get it, it feels like it's such a heavy dose. 
Right. The other thing with this scene is that the reason that this conversation was sparked is because Chloe was just talking about her hair being streaky. And Courtney makes this comment of like, you know, I think that no matter what it is, like, even if there are things that we're insecure about, we should just embrace them to which Chloe kind of gives this okay, like, like, as if like, that was kind of an annoying thing to say, which typically, I think it's something that I would find annoying. Like if somebody said that to me, I'd be like, okay, but I will give a lot of credit to Courtney, because I think that through her IVF journey and through being with Travis, she has also experienced a lot of changes, both in her appearance based on the way she dresses, but also her appearance in general, there has been a lot that her body was put through being on IVF. And I feel like really Courtney internalizes what she preaches so well in terms of just embracing those things. And you can really see that. And so I think that typically a comment like that can be a little annoying. I do think that when it comes to Courtney and you see the way that she has handled that and internalized her own advice, I think that there's a lot of validity that she has in terms of being able to say that. I am so glad you said that because I, I also was feeling, and this is so personal, like it's not everyone to necessarily have this reaction, but I also feel that a statement like that, if I'm receiving it, it, it's very dependent on who it's coming from in terms of the way that I feel that they are living their own life. Like, do I feel that they are subscribing to the belief system that they are trying to sell me on? And I very much agree with you that if I'm Chloe, Courtney saying that to me is very different than like Kim saying that to me based on the, the way that I have seen Courtney talk to herself about herself. It's, it's, it's just different. I com- I so agree with that. And I mean that in like the most positive way. Right. And I don't think that this conversation would have necessarily been the same if Kim was there, because I also think that, I think they're all very vanity focused, of course, but there is a conversation that they were having in terms of the way that they were treated when they were little, where, you know, it was always something that Chris had put on them. Like they were always in their best clothes. They were always taught to present themselves a certain way. And I think that Kim internalized that as being a very good thing and something that she brought with her through life. I think that the rest of them maybe don't have that same view of it. And so I think that him being as vanity focused as she is and viewing those things as probably positive things that Chris instilled on them, the whole tone of this conversation would have been different. Oh, completely. And that's what Courtney's saying in her confessional when she's like, we live in a world that's obsessed with perfection. And I think my mom always had us dressing alike and being really polished and hair done. And I think I'm just really conscious with my own kids about giving them the freedom to express themselves and not put so much pressure on perfection, which obviously that statement is specific to this conversation. I think if you wanted to, you could probably make the argument that this is something that falls under the more general umbrella, which is a conversation we have frequently about the difference in the way that Kim and Courtney view Chris and some of her parenting styles and parenting methods and just how the same thing could be received very differently by both of them. But yeah, I mean, this whole conversation, I I, I was obsessed with. I could have done a whole episode on just this. Me too. And remind me when we get to the point about the conversation between Courtney and Kim at the end to bring up the Chris point, because I know a lot of people have had a lot of things to say on how that could potentially play a factor in their relationship. It plays the biggest factor. I mean, I I know, I know, I promise I'm I'm not going to get into it now. I know we're saving it. I just, yes, like, I'm so glad you said that because yeah, that is a huge thing that we absolutely have to discuss. We all get bogged down with the mundane tasks of life, especially this time of year. But isn't it time you take a break from your normal, boring routine? Don't just sit on the sidelines and watch life go by. Get in the game with the bold tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. You can be having a blast anywhere. Having a blast at work, having a blast in traffic, having a blast while you file your taxes. No, really, we mean it when we say anywhere. 
With Baja Blast now in stores everywhere, you can be having a blast whenever and wherever you are all year long. So what are you waiting for? Pick up an ice cold Baja Blast today at a store near you. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast in stores and at participating Taco Bell locations, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. This swag is available for a limited time only, so don't wait. Grab a Baja Blast and start having a blast right away. No purchase necessary, open to U.S. residents 18 or older, subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com. Ends June 15, 2024, void where prohibited. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Okay, so as always with these recaps, there's some scenes we're going to dive very deep on and others that we're kind of going to glaze over. Not going to spend too much time on poolside with Poosh, although it did seem like a very enjoyable afternoon. I think the thing to zone in on here is Courtney's conversation with Tiffany when she's saying, you know, she didn't even realize that she had just moved to New York. And she's saying, I don't talk to anyone. I don't leave the house. I'm like in a bubble and I don't like to leave Calabasas. And even with my family, I'm like, protect my energy. And just to now be an adult and be like, I'm married by everyone. It's so nice. Which the reason that I find that to be something worth talking about isn't because we don't know that. I mean, that has been the narrative for a little while now, you know, since things got serious with Travis, something that Kim will say, that Chloe will say, that Chris will say, every single one of them says it. But a moment like this just goes to show you that their perception of the situation is accurate and that Courtney's the first one to acknowledge that. Right. This is nothing new. It's just interesting because I think that Chloe specifically does her best to frame this bubble that Courtney is in as being a positive because Courtney views it as a positive. And I think that when Chloe talks about it, she wants to explain it to the audience in the same way that Courtney would. Although you can tell that there is very mixed feelings among the family about how much of this they actually view as being a positive. Whereas for Courtney, like she wouldn't change a thing about how she's going about this. But I just think that the rest of the family is kind of in this phase of like, wanting to support that, but not necessarily agreeing with it. As she says in her confessional, when she's like, I wanted to do my own thing separate from my sisters and my mom, because we're all so intertwined. It's just showing you how this little bubble that she's been in then also kind of permeates other areas of her life in that she then was craving that same separation when it comes to business and other things. You know, it wasn't just the physical bubble that she was building with Travis and their kids. It was also enjoying that so much. And then I think wanting to take that and run with it in terms of how can she further uh, differentiate herself, establish her independence, whatever it is. Obviously we see that being a core of the D&G fight. Like (laughs) this small little concept, which she's playfully talking about at the push poolside event is a far greater concept that very much seeps into other areas as we've seen. Well, what's so interesting about it is that One of their big fights that keep coming up specifically between Kim, Courtney, and Chris is like this idea of prior to Poosh, prior to Lemmy, of Courtney having her own business. Like, what is her thing going to be? What is her thing going to be? And so when Courtney is talking about, you know, it's nice to have this independence and nice to have my own thing. If I'm Chris and Kim, I'm like, yeah, that's what we've been trying to get you to fucking do this entire time. 
it is the kind of thing of like, you know, when you really want someone to do something, you have to make it like it was their idea. Yes. That's kind of, that's kind of how this has all evolved in obviously not the most linear way, but if we wanted to give like the most reductive summary. Yes, that is exactly it. Okay. So moving on to Kim at the store, Junin, I mean, this was some shit I have never seen in my entire life. Not only the organization process, but also just the deep commitment to preserving these memories and some that I don't even know if I would call them memories, but just potential memories. It's like most people in theory, when they think about things in their life, they want to, you know, preserve things that hold some sentimental value. And people typically do the best job that they can in that. Some people are inherently more sentimental, some people less. But generally speaking, there are certain things in one's life you deem as important, you want to take good care of, and you're going to do the best that you can to maintain those for generations to come. And it's like that, and then there's Kim. Because this is a level that I, I'm having a hard time even comprehending. It's one of those things. Well, it's two things, by the way, because the first part of it is like, you know, those storage units exist. We have seen them before. It is nothing new. And yet every single time we see the size of it, the amount of stuff in it, the organization of it, I am completely caught off guard. Like it takes, not just takes my breath away. Like I actually am like, how is any of this possible? It's like a a size of something that I just can't even comprehend. But the other side of it, which is actually like a little bit even more fascinating is if you want to talk about Kim seeing the vision of the future, like look no further than the things that she has kept. It's like she took everything that she had ever worn from back in the day and she somehow knew that those things would mean something. Most of this stuff that she kept from pre-being Kim Kardashian and held on to with the idea of like, well, one day I'll want to have it. One day it'll be iconic. One day I'll be so happy to have the memory of an outfit that I wore to a nothing event in 2007 because it'll be a part of my story. It's like, that is some fucking foresight. Yes, and exactly. This storage unit is one of the, because it's not the, but it is one of the tangible expressions of her seeing the vision in a way that only her and Chris did. Obviously, she didn't have this exact storage unit when she first started out, but she did have the ability to keep things and the idea that she wanted to continue to build this collection. It's just, I think she's built it into something that even she could have never dreamed up. I mean, this is nuts. Like, I know, as you said, we've seen it multiple times. It's It never doesn't shock me. Well, on the other side to this is all of the Yeezy stuff. I mean, walls and walls and walls of clothes and samples and every Yeezy thing that had ever been made, every shoe that had ever been made, all for her kids. And yes, of course, she still has the intention of, of giving it to them because that is their father. And one day they will be so happy to have this stuff. But she's staring at, you know, Kanye's life worth And it's a representation of one, the marriage that failed and how they were really meant to be this power couple together, like skims and Yeezy, you know? And she's looking at this stuff that doesn't mean to her what it once did. She's holding on to this stuff because it's the father of her children now, not because she's viewing Kanye in the way that she once did. The other side of it that I think is really emotionally exhausting for Kim to be in the position of is like, looking at all of this stuff where it doesn't even represent anything in like the cultural zeitgeist that it once did or that she had expected it to be. I mean, if you remember what Yeezy was like in its heyday, I mean, 
people were going fucking nuts for it. Like that was the product. That was the thing. That was what everybody wanted to get their hands on. And you now fast forward to what Kanye has done to his legacy and all of these shoe boxes for walls and walls and miles and miles in a storage unit is just the most clear representation of what that has now become. And I think that's really, really, really difficult to have such a tangible example of and have to digest that. I honestly felt like this scene was more emotionally intense than she was making it out to be, which again, I say that knowing that it's not as though it's the first time she's ever stepped foot into the storage unit. And I'm sure as she goes more and more times, it becomes less jarring. I just think specifically being there on the day the divorce was finalized had to have really hit her, which it did. I mean, you saw her getting emotional in her confessional, but that's something to talk about in a second because I do want to go through the timeline. I just think to your other point about like, here she is having accumulated all of these things and knowing that when it comes to just Kanye's legacy and the way that the world views him, it's not what it used to be. And I actually think for Kim, being able to tune in so deeply to, okay, I want to save all of these things and I want to curate this amazing collection for my children because no matter who he is, it is the father of my children, is probably something that has allowed her to kind of make sense of it all. Because it it almost like softens the blow of mourning the loss of Kanye West as the person because she still has Kanye West as the father. And, And I felt like that was just very present. You know, it's like, it still allows her to go through these things and maybe be as methodical as she once wanted to be, even if the purpose is a little bit different or the father purpose was always there, but the other one has kind of gone away. Totally. I think that Kanye West as the father is like the last piece of him that she gets to hold on to. The person that she married is so far from who he used to be I think it can almost make her hit this point of like self-reflection of like, who did I marry? Like, how did I get myself into this? Like, how did I make this mistake? How did I choose this person to be the father of my kids? And the fact that she still is able to see him despite all of his flaws and all of the things that he has done as a really good father, I think it's like, okay, at least I have that. Like, at least I can say that I did that right by my kids. And so not, of course, she's holding on to that piece of it for their sake and preserving the view they have of their father, because especially at such a young age, where they don't know any better and they don't know anything else that is the most important thing. But she also gets to hold on to that for herself and her own decision-making and her own way that she views her entire marriage through her eyes. Oh, totally. And because that is for her just objectively the most important thing in her life. Like there's nothing she cares about more than her kids. And so if she was going to get one area right, like let it be that. I think if I'm her, that's my mindset, you know? Yeah, yeah. Also, just one moment of timeline, Kim and Kanye's divorce was finalized November 29th, 2022. So the way that they're presenting it, she was at the storage unit with Danny on November 29th. Some other dates, just in case anyone was curious, Poolside with Poosh was November 7th. Travis's birthday was November 14th. The People's Choice was December 6th. So this episode is roughly over the course of about a month, just time frame wise. I don't know if anyone else gets curious, but I know for us, we always like to have that knowledge going into every episode. I so prefer those episodes where they only take place in the course of a week because it actually is like the most comforting timeline to go off of. I'm like, I know exactly what is going on in all of your lives over the course of five days right now. Yeah, I know. I mean, this next scene when Courtney and Chloe are going to take the lie detector test for Vanity Fair, which again, another behind the scenes I love because when that came out, it was something that we discussed heavily on our episode. I did not think we'd be getting the Hulu cameras there, but I, for one, was thrilled that we did. How disappointed were you when it was like 
They were going back and forth and you were getting some discussion and some behind the scenes of the things that they were saying. And the only thing that I wanted was the further explanation or Courtney's reaction to when Chloe says that she would not let Drew have a sleepover at Courtney's because I think that was the thing that we were the most curious about. I don't know if we were all the most curious. I'm not going to go as far as to say like everybody who watched that lie detector wanted that one question answered. But I know me and you were like, that is such a crazy thing to say in a lie detector test, like such an interesting point to not expand upon. And so I was so hoping that they were going to at least make one comment about that and they didn't at all in this. I kind of, the second that I realized that that was being filmed, I said to myself, lower your expectations because it's not going to be discussed. But what they do give us is when Courtney asks Chloe if she prefers to hang out with Kim more than her. And I was so happy to have not only that question asked, but also the cut to Chloe in confessional for that. Oh, and Chloe says in her confessional, if we go back eight years, there's no fun to be had with Kimberly. And Courtney's just like a YOLO type of chick. Now things are different. Kim doesn't ask questions. She's like, you want to go? Okay, let's go. I'll bury a body with you. Courtney's like, well, who are we burying and why? And now we're worried. Like, is Courtney going to out us? You never know. I mean, talk about a confessional that could be analyzed till we are blue in the motherfucking face. I mean, like forever. And that is like the most prime example of the role reversal because she's a hundred percent right. Like Kim was never like that. And maybe that's one of the biggest changes that came from Kim having kids is the ability for her to just say, fuck it and not care so much or not be so intense. Maybe it comes from arriving at a place in her career where she does feel like she can take a, you know, a breath and kind of sit back, even though she never stops working. But that is the most clear example of the shift. Like, yes, there are so many things that went into it, but the fact that Kim can have fun is like, that's, that's number one in terms of her ability to have this newfound relationship with Chloe. And then Courtney says in her confessional, I feel like Chloe and I are at a great place. We just vibe on our sense of humor. I also think we bring out the best in each other and just had so much fun together. I feel like we're so deeply connected no matter what. Which, not to say that that is inaccurate, but I would say there's objectively a little bit of a disconnect in the way that Chloe and Courtney talk about their relationship with one another. Not to say that either one of them are ever rewriting history in terms of not acknowledging what used to be there. But I think if you were to ask me, at least the way that it is presented, to me, it feels like Courtney thinks that that is more currently existent than Chloe does. I think they do have a very special bond. And I think that, yes, a lot of it is rooted in the past and the way that they used to be. But I do think that a lot of that carries over. I just think that when Courtney makes those comments about like, you know, I'm protecting my peace and that means my family and I'm distancing myself from my family. Like, I think that she expects that Chloe would interpret that as like everybody but me. But I don't think Chloe interprets it that way. I think that Chloe feels very included in that. And even if Chloe were to say like, you know what, she's really talking about everybody else. But I think that also, even if Chloe was like, okay, she means everybody but me. Chloe is so ride or die with every single member of the family, maybe more than anybody else. She really is so connected and has her own individual, really special relationship with each one of them, where I feel like even when Courtney says that, she feels like she's then being put in a little bit of an uncomfortable position. And I think that's creating a disconnect too. I don't think it's just Kim. I think it's the entire idea of, you know, like I'm protecting my peace and I'm removing myself from the family or I don't want anything to do with that, where Chloe's then like, yeah, but I don't want to do that. And I don't want to have to like pretend that I'm chill with the fact that you do. But I think it's like this strange thing though, because if you were to ask me, I don't think that Chloe is necessarily 
missing what they used to have. Like I feel that Chloe can look at the way that her and Courtney used to be, honor that, and know that there will never be a relationship that is exactly like that because what they had at that time was unique to them. And it existed in the magic of the 2000s and it's something that no one will ever try to take from them. But I think she is very content with at this phase in her life, Kim being her person, because I think she also knows that for what she needs currently, Courtney, just based on what is going on in her life, she can't provide that to Chloe. So it's like, I almost, I almost get this energy of like, not that Courtney misses it more than Chloe does, because I think Courtney is so content in her life. But it's like, I don't, I don't know if, I don't know, maybe I'm just totally making this up. I just don't feel like Chloe longs for it in the way that I think at times maybe Courtney does. I think what it is, and I think that probably what upsets Courtney the most is that I think Courtney is really content with the relationship that she has with Chloe, actually. I think that she feels like they have a really special bond and even if Kim and Chloe are really close right now, Kim and Chloe can never have what her and Chloe have. Like they just understand each other on a different level. And I think Courtney really believes that. I think where Courtney gets upset is that I think that she just wishes that Chloe was mourning the relationship more than she is. Like I think that she's like, I'm okay that it's a little bit different, but why are you okay that it's different? Yeah, that resonates with me. This is the time when I'm like, I fucking love having a podcast, but also like, I wish I had time to process before, although I don't want to process before because I only want to process in real time with you. But it's like, my thoughts could change on this. Like, I really just need to sit down and process all of my thoughts because I, I watched the episodes really right before we record so that it's so fresh in my mind. And like, I don't know. I know that I, I will have a lot more to say because this is a very complex dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it is. And we haven't even gotten to the conversation yet between the three of them. We have to get into that in a second. I mean, the next scene is the crossroads, Travis's surprise. Nothing overwhelming to speak of here, but I obviously enjoyed it. I, I could watch any footage. Give me any party that any one of them are throwing for anything. Just throw in a camera. You don't even need to zone in on individual conversations. And I'm so happy to just sit there and watch. Like, yeah, give me Megan Fox off to the side in a booth. Give me Machine Gun Kelly drinking a matcha margarita. I, I'm all for it. Did you think that when Kim walked over to say happy birthday to Travis and MGK was there first, that there was like a little bit of an awkward hello there because she had to say hi to the like birthday boy before she said hi to anybody else. And so she was kind of like making like a good beeline towards him. Or is there like a little bit of residual leftover? Like you're my best friend's ex-girlfriend and you're my ex-boyfriend's best friend. I obviously had that thought. I don't necessarily think that it's awkward because they've been around them so much because of Courtney and Travis. So. I'm going to say no, but like it's possible, but I don't think so. I really don't. Do you? That's a dynamic I'm fascinated in. Um, I don't know because the breakup between Kim and Pete was August and we're talking November. And so some time has passed, although for a year long relationship, a couple of months after a breakup is still kind of fresh. And so I don't know if it's awkward between them or if it's like this kind of silent understanding they both have of like not bringing Pete up, but almost like wondering what the other person is thinking. Well, I think it also, you know, goes into the conversation we have of like, was this amicable? And my answer to that is yes. I still maintain the fact that I think it was a respectful split. So I don't think that MGK as Pete's best friend is harboring resentment towards Kim. Like if anything, it's just maybe a little bit awkward because that's just, you know, life. But I don't think it's like Kim feels as though she wronged Pete 
And so MGK is naturally protective over him, even if she was the one to do the breakup, which as you know, I still maintain the fact that I 100% think it was her that did the breakup. You absolutely could go deep in on that. And I'm not saying that you would be wrong if you did. I'm personally choosing not to. Yeah, I understand that. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life. So don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. So there are obviously so many different reasons that a person would want to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip, or maybe you just want to pick up a new skill or hobby, or maybe you're like me, and at one point you were almost fluent in Spanish, and then you kind of lost it and are trying to get it back. Whatever the reason, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone, which is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really immerses you in the language that you want to learn, which again, for me was Spanish. And I was kind of relearning, I guess I could say, because I really do feel that when I was abroad there, I had it so much better. And my dad would always tell me, if you don't use it, you lose it. And I kind of lost it. So first of all, number one about Rosetta Stone, they have been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Second of all, it's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. It's no English translation. So you're really learning to speak, listen, and think in that language, which for me, that's when I always could feel it clicking when I noticed myself really thinking in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you're picking up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it really is designed for long-term retention. Also speech recognition. So they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation, kind of like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's convenient. There are desktop and app options with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's a lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com comments. That's a 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com comments today. Okay, so the conversation between Kim Kendall and Kylie in her closet, of course, need to mention that she is wearing the now viral Kendall starting five shirt. But this was also a very honest interaction. And again, a dynamic that we don't get that frequently. First of all, with the Kendall starting five shirt, I was so curious if they were going to acknowledge it at all. Like if you were going to have the moment where Kim walked in wearing the shirt and Kendall said something, but the complete lack of acknowledgement throughout the entire scene only made it better. And also the fact that it was such a serious conversation and she's sitting there in that shirt and like all of us are paying attention to the shirt. I was just like, this is the perfect time for you to have worn that. 
I know. And by the way, I need that shirt. I can't believe I haven't ordered them for us yet. I'm going to do that after this. Yeah. I was. How have we not? But okay. So this, by the way, goes back to our previous conversation about how Kylie becoming a mom naturally changed her perspective and in some ways allowed her to relate more to her sisters. Because when she's having this conversation with Kim about the storage unit and holding on to different things, not to say that Kim isn't valuing what Kendall's saying, of course, but Kylie saying like, no, you are doing this for your kids. I think that it's it's just naturally coming from a different place because Kylie can also relate to that. Right. And not only does Kylie have the understanding of just having kids and what you then do for your kids, which is something Kendall doesn't have. She also has the understanding of having a partner where their relationship isn't linear. Like her and Travis, even though I think Eric had just been born and they were maybe still together at this point, I think they were still together at this point. They had broken up and gotten back together a number of times. And so Kylie also has the very unique perspective of like, not only what you do for your kids, but also what you do for your kids and their relationship with their father, even if you guys aren't on the best of terms. Obviously, the two relationships are very different, but there is an understanding there. Totally. And then on top of it, the angle that all of them can understand in a way that you know her other friends who maybe are moms can't is when she's talking about you know North posting that TikTok and in it, there's Kanye stalking. And she then has to wonder, well, what message is that sending to the world? Is that telling people that I agree with him? And that's when Kylie's like, you know, all of that is silly stuff, a stocking, a gingerbread house, you know, whatever makes your kids happy, you're doing it for them and you're doing it for North because she's the oldest. Like you don't have to explain that you're doing it for your kids. That is not a normal thing that one has to worry about. You know, like you are not expecting that your kid is going to post some content that involves your ex-husband in some way. And then all of a sudden the world may assume that you were on board with some of his ridiculously problematic statements. Like it's just, that is really something that only the members of the family can understand. Yeah. It's an extremely unique position to be put in, but it's also not one that's as easy as like, oh, fuck it. Just do whatever makes you happy and do whatever your kids want and do whatever you think is right. Because like, you know, regardless of whether you agree with the way that people interpret things, like, I think that as Kanye's ex-wife as the mother of his kids, people are looking to you. And whether that's right or not, there is, unfortunately, because of his actions, a certain responsibility you have to really set apart your own feelings and your own um, beliefs from his belief system, especially because a lot of the reports that came out about Kanye and a lot of the stuff that was circulating at the time was, you know, statements that he made that went years back, not just of recent, not just in the past couple of weeks when he started spewing all this anti-Semitism stuff that people had reported from years and years back. And so I think people are also looking at you in this moment of like, well, did you know this? Did you not know this? How much did you know? How much did you allow? What's allowed in your home? And I think that when it comes to hate speech and the stuff that Kanye was saying, which was so much deeper and so much more terrible than I think anything else that a typical divorce would deal with, even in the public eye, unfortunately, whether it's her fault or not, there is a certain responsibility there. And I, I can't pretend that it doesn't exist at all. No, and it, and it does. And it's just that t- to get insight into like her even processing this, I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting it to be in a conversation with Kendall and Kylie sitting in her closet. Like it just, it, 
it does show you how, depending on the person that they're talking to, a different, not a different side of them necessarily comes out, but the conversation goes in a different way. This wouldn't have necessarily been the same if it was Chloe. That's why it's so important when the other kind of characters come into the mix, because even if you're having the exact same conversation, you're going to get a little bit of different information. And even when, you know, Kendall's saying in her confessional, like, I don't know how Kim does it with her ex-husband because I just know that I could never. Another example of seeing the perspective of the way other family members view the way that Kim navigates things and how they all differ from one another. Right. I mean, and what about when Kylie's in confessional and she talks about how her and Kim are literally twins? That was one of my favorite confessionals maybe ever. Because obviously our minds are like, you know where they're going. Can you just read it word for word? I just want to hear it again. Kim is just my girl. We realize that we're actually twins because we live the same life. It's very hard to explain because I can't tell you guys everything, but I don't know. We woke up one day and we were like, wow, we're the same person. We should really just be best friends and fuck these other sisters. To me, I'm like, take Chloe through you, go on your merry way and sail off into the sunset. And I'm right there with you. It's just, you know what? Let's remove Chloe for a second from this dynamic, because as much as I love Chloe, you can, that's the beauty of Chloe. You can add her into every dynamic and she just works. She fits seamlessly. She's always additive. But to look at the relationship between Kylie and Kim on their own is so fascinating because this is a conversation that we have had time and time again, I feel like, and we actually haven't revisited it in a while, but like their trajectory for fame. And I think that their approach to business, their approach to Chris, like there are things that we have constantly picked up on in terms of how alike they really are. And it's like, I personally view Kylie very much as being like Kim 2.0 in her own way. But I do think for them to acknowledge it and for them to talk about their relationship, not just as being bonded, but being similar is like, we're all on the same page here. Yeah. Don't you wish that she could just say out loud the stuff that she's not saying? Um, I would do anything. Okay, so moving on to the People's Choice Awards scene, I know there's nothing deeply profound to talk about here, but to me, this was the exact type of behind the scenes that I just so appreciate because you really felt like you were backstage with her. And even though the experience of being backstage at the People's Choice Awards, about to go on stage to accept the award for best reality show while being sewn into your outfit, having a wardrobe malfunction, like, it's not necessarily a relatable or universal experience. That feeling of anxiety of like anything associated with appearance or comfort when you're about to walk out into a crowd like that is something that everyone on some level can relate to, even if it's, you know, your school play in sixth grade. And it was just like, I felt it. I felt it for her so deeply. Well, the other thing with it is, and not to not to steal Courtney's line, but like this people's choice awards is kind of Chloe's thing. Like she is the one that wins that best reality star award. Like she is the one that's going to this with Chris and you know, him and Kylie specifically and Kendall get to walk so many red carpets. They are at so many different events and not that Chloe isn't at a lot of them, but it's not the same. She's not a guaranteed attendee at all of these things that Kylie, Kendall, and Kim are. And so for her to have the people's choice awards, yes, for us, it kind of seems like oh, you know, it's just another one of these things that they do. I think it really is still special for Chloe. And I think it really does still feel like it's her thing. And so for her to be having all of these wardrobe malfunctions at it, yes, she plays it off like only Chloe can. But I did, I felt for her in a way that like, I think that if anybody else was having the same wardrobe malfunction at the People's Choice Awards, I wouldn't have had that same like feeling of like stress and anxiety for. 
but also because it's like her worst fear actualized. Like this is exactly the thing that she seeks to avoid constantly. She never wants, like she knows that no matter what, people are going to just troll her because that has just unfortunately become her reality. But like when she goes out in this public of a setting, she really likes to make sure that she is set up in a way where like she's done everything in her power to like shield herself the best way that she kind of can. Like everything is as good as it's going to get. And there was, she just felt, you could tell like she was uncomfortable in the moment. And I just, uh, I hated that for her. I know me too. I did also. But whatever. I mean, she obviously killed it because that's just what she does. But I was like, oh, I, I wish you didn't have to deal with this. Her in the porter potty with the hair extensions really took me out. I was like, this is yeah. Chloe in true form. I know. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify Eye Drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Okay, so one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, term supply. Okay, so this last scene with Kim, Courtney, Chloe at Courtney's house on the bed, the follow-up to their last conversation. How do you want to play this one? I'm just laughing. Like to me, this conversation is hysterical, but like, I think, why don't you just, why don't you just read a little bit? Well, I think we do need to start off with the why of Chloe being there. And she says in her confessional, Courtney wanted me here because she's not always great at articulating herself in the way that she would want to, but I get what Courtney tries to say a lot of the time. So I think I'm just emotional support. Again, that is really only relevant not even to analyze Chloe's role in all of it, but more so to shed light on the fact that like Kim and Courtney's dynamic, I don't know if I want to use the word fragile, but is so off right now that Courtney feels that she needs almost a, a translator there. And it just so happens to be in the form of Chloe. Like 
to me, that is very representative of the current spot that we're at. Okay, yes, but I don't think... (laughs) I think it's being presented as if Courtney feels she needs a translator. That's not it. Chloe feels Courtney needs a translator. That idea didn't come from Courtney. It's not like Courtney approached Chloe and was like, listen, I want to talk to Kim and I'm a little concerned about how I come across when I'm communicating and I really want this to come out right. Do you think that you would come and just... That is Chloe saying, if you're going to talk to Kim and you're going to present to her this list that you have made on your phone of things that you want to bring up, you got to have me there because it's not going to go well if if I'm not. Oh, I think it's totally mutual, actually. I don't disagree with you. I certainly think that Chloe wanted to be there. Absolutely. Because especially given that she's the one that wants to keep this all copacetic and keep the peace, like there's no part of her that wants them to each get riled up. But I also think Courtney feels just more comfortable having Chloe there, even though the irony of that is that at other points in this episode, you know, we were focused so much on the acknowledgement of the shifting dynamic and how Kim and Chloe have become more of the twosome and, and, you know, Courtney's feelings on that. I still think when it comes to her and Kim, there's something about Chloe there that makes her feel safer. Yeah, I can understand that. Yeah, but I agree with you. It's it's not I do think it was Chloe's idea, though. I think Courtney was happy to have her there and thought it was a great idea, but I think that the idea originated with Chloe. Yeah, possible. I also wonder how would it have gone down if they weren't filming, of course. I mean, I know how I would have had it go down if I was one of them and not filming. Anyway, so Courtney kind of presents it of like, you know, I thought it would be nice to chat after our last talk because I've had a while to think. And Kim's like, wait, you've been thinking about it? It's kind of been a while. And she's like, yeah, you know, it's been a while. And I've been saying after our talk, it was nice to kind of let it settle. But I think the point of this is just caring about each other enough to be concerned about our feelings. I have notes. And she says in her confessional, My purpose in having the second talk and even having the first talk and not just avoiding it is that I do want to have a relationship with my sisters. I want it to be a relationship where we're cared about and where our feelings matter. And I just want a more meaningful relationship. Okay. So when Courtney is presenting it to Kim, she says, it's about moving forward and not thinking about the past. It's like, I don't feel cared about when I'm overlooked or if my feelings are overlooked. Kim says, I hear you family over everything. Courtney says, I feel like you're so driven and I don't know if you really understand what's driving you. And if you don't understand what's driving you, you know, there's no, you're the master of your mind and knowing what drives you will lead to your happiness and joy. Kim's response to that. I just am content. And I think being content is a really good place to be. I just never wanted to depend on anyone else. Like it's that simple. Courtney says, well, you don't have to depend on anyone else as of many years ago. So what continues to drive you? Kim says, a lot of the doubt, a lot of the hate. A lot of people always being like, you're starting off as this reality show person. Chloe then points out that Kim is very competitive by nature. And Courtney is saying, so I think a lot of this, and I have this written down, is like, it's so connected to what people think. And I think your relationship to yourself, and I think those close to you are the most important and much more important than what people think. And Kim says, I definitely love to prove other people wrong. For sure, the drive I have is like, okay, I want to build this really successful business. Oh, I want to build another one. And oh, wait, I have another idea. Let's see if I can do it three times. That's just who I am, but it's only against myself. I'm not saying let me compete with you and you and you. It's not that. I see it as like actually with myself. And in her confessional, Kim's just reiterating that point about her drive and her competitiveness keeps her humble and in check and she likes being busy. And Courtney then says, There's self-awareness, which is like knowing yourself and why you make certain choices. I love self-awareness and I love knowing myself. 
by the way, these are, this is a real quote. Like I, I know it sounds like I couldn't be making this up, but I swear to God, a real quote. And Kim is like, yeah, I'm self-aware and that I'm competitive. And I like that about myself. Courtney says, I think we're driven by different things. And Kim says, and that's okay. We're different people. I don't know what, where to go with this. Like I can keep going on, which is, you know, Courtney saying that she's not here to analyze Kim and we're just telling each other what we need and that's it. And then Courtney kind of leaves and that's really where the conversation ends. You know, our analysis of this isn't necessarily going to come from the conversation that arose because the truth of the matter is a conversation didn't arise. It was Courtney reading some points off of her notes app, Kim a little bit explaining where she's coming from and then it kind of ending there. To me, the more interesting point is just like (laughs) highlighting the disconnect. I mean, what the fuck is she talking about? I'm I'm, I'm genuinely asking. Like, I really wish that, first of all, really wish that translator Chloe fulfilled her role because we could have all used that translation because I think that every single one of us, every single one of us was sitting here watching this episode like, okay, you don't want to go back to the past. So this isn't necessarily about the Dolce and Gabbana fight. This is about maybe future fights or what you can do to change your relationship going forward. So not Dolce and Gabbana. This is all in the future. How does any of Kim's drive affect their relationship? Like what is one thing where somebody connect the dots for me here? Cause I'm so fucking confused. Well, I think that if you're Courtney, you're trying to make the connection that because Kim has become so driven by factors that she herself maybe doesn't even realize and that her purpose has kind of become lost all in the greater game of just trying to achieve as much as she possibly can, that it maybe derails her to the point where she can make questionable decisions that potentially negatively impact the people closest to her because she's just so focused on getting the next thing that it's almost like she has blinders on. I think that that is what Courtney is trying to say while actively not trying to bring up Dolce Gabbana and not trying to bring up the past. Can I tell you, honestly, if I'm Kim, I am looking Courtney dead in the eye and saying, I understand your Dolce Gabbana feelings. I think that we both have to acknowledge that that was certainly a one-off and anything that we do forward is never going to overlap. Like I, you, you say Boohoo's <laughs> sustainability coordinator. I'm not trying to do that for Sheehan. Like we're good here. This is never going to happen again. No, I know, I know. And and that's why she wasn't really responding. I mean, you could tell she was definitely a little bit taken aback. I think what's bothersome a little bit for me about this, and everybody can have a different reaction. I'm sure some people watch this and we're very much on board with Courtney. And if that's your opinion, I respect it. It's just like, where in any of this is the acknowledgement of Kim's drive when she explains it to you, number one. And by the way, this is exactly what we said a few episodes ago when we were really going in and talking about how if you've watched the show from the beginning, you could know without Kim ever saying it that part of the reason she hustles so hard is because of how doubted she's been for so many years and how you know her entire career has basically been built on proving people wrong. So when she said it, I was like, you know, thank you. This is what we've been advocating for for you for this whole season. But on top of that, it's like, where in all of this is the acknowledgement of how far she's come? Even if you are still struggling to understand what is driving her, and even if when she tells you what's driving her, you still can't validate that because it doesn't fit with what I think you deem as an acceptable driver, which isn't an entirely flawed thought process because it's about what drives the person, not about other people's approval of what drives the person. But like, I just wish in all of this, there could be a moment of like, you know what? 
I don't really get it because the way you live your life is entirely unappealing to me, but I got to give it to you because you fucking killed it. Like you set out what you wanted to do. And even though I think that you have completely lost touch with reality and you have this complete overabundance mindset that is totally off-putting to me, like if that's what you want, you did it. And as your sister and someone who has watched the world doubt you, let me give that to you. Never once is that mentioned. And I know Kim doesn't need it from Courtney. The last person she's seeking approval from is Courtney. But like how, I don't know, to me, I that's something that really jumps out to me. I think this entire conversation was just insane. Like I just, you know what? This is the type of conversation where if Courtney came on next season and was like so upset by the editing job and was like, I had this entire conversation with Kim and I brought all of these points to the table about our relationship and how it's changed and what's been affected. And the small part that they kept in was about um, her drive and 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 what I view her drive to be. And I, I would be like, you know what, Courtney? I fucking believe you because I can't even imagine that anybody would come into a conversation about trying to fix the relationship with their sister and come from it from the angle of like, how this makes me feel and I want my feelings to be heard and then spend the entire conversation focused on what the other person's drive is. Because you know what? If you really want to say, I have these things that I want to talk to you about that I've noticed in your behavior. And I think that this is something that maybe could be a roadblock in terms of our closeness because I can't understand this point of view and I would love to understand it. Fine. If you're going to come at it and say, my feelings aren't being heard because you don't have the right drive that I agree with, like, what the fuck? Like, I would genuinely, if she was so upset and said, like, they edited me so incorrectly and so poorly... I would be like, you know what? I fucking believe you. And it is so unfair because that's the only explanation for this conversation. Exactly. And you know what? If I'm being my most honest, even if she did come in framing it from the angle of like, I'm removing myself. I just want to talk about this as it impacts you because I've been thinking about this a lot. I still wouldn't have been on board with it. Like that is just not a conversation Kim needs to be having. She doesn't need to explain her drive to anyone specifically to you. But the fact that it was all under this general umbrella of wanting us to be more cared for and more heard. Like the irony of the whole thing is that you are actively not hearing her. She could not have been more clear as to why she does the things that she does because you don't approve of it. For whatever reason, it is deemed as invalid and thus categorized as another way that Kim isn't caring about your feelings. And if you want to say that Kim doesn't care about your feelings, we can have that conversation. But the conflation is, is I actually would go as far as to say disrespectful if I'm Kim. Uh, yeah, I think so too. And you know what? I've really been thinking about Kim's reaction because I'm like, how is it possible that you don't have a reaction? Like, even if you don't respect Courtney enough to give it back to her, even if you don't care about her opinions, even if her work ethic is so far from what yours is that like, she doesn't get to comment and you don't even need to react because like you guys, it, it doesn't matter like what she has to say. There's no part of me that can understand Kim just sitting there where Kim is just sitting there and allowing Courtney to attack her character in a way that just doesn't even make sense and then like not do anything about that. I just, I really feel like when Kim says family above everything, like that is something that has been so ingrained into them to the point where like Kim's not reacting because it's like, I can't put family above everything. And like, I can't really internalize that when it comes to you. If I were to acknowledge what you're really saying to me right now. I totally agree. That is like the overpowering motto with which she lives her life. And on top of it, 
I still go back to the point of like, I just think that it it's hard to be deeply affected by someone's view of your character when you don't entirely respect theirs. I guess, but I, I don't know if I agree. I mean, maybe for Kim. Well, no, when you said the thing of like, you know, doing it in a way that doesn't make sense, Kim knows that. Like Kim is, I think that Kim is sitting here having probably a similar reaction to us of like, wait, no way. Like, no way. Like, I almost think if I'm Kim, I'm like, this is dinner on a fucking show. Like, this is the, the, you're about to pull out your notes app and give give me this? Like, we, we are not even talking the same language here. If I'm Kim, I actually think that I can go as far as to view it at almost as almost comical. Like, I think that that's just, she's dealt with some real shit. She's in the, she is in the throes of Kanye, like, ripping her apart online, making her life absolute living hell. I just don't think Courtney's sitting on her bed with her shoes in her all black outfit, you know, talking to her about her drive is the thing that's going to rile her up. I just don't think so. I mean, listen, it's so interesting when Kim is in all of these interviews and, and in her what's in my bathroom with Haley and talking about how she is just the queen of receipts and she sits on everything and maybe one day she'll use them, but most likely she just likes to have them. And then to watch her apply that exact same mindset and logic to her fight with Courtney is like, it makes me feel like I know her. Like, it makes me feel like everything she says is just 100% correct because it's like, that is the definition of it. Like, you have a million things that you could say back to Courtney right now and you're just sitting on it. Like, you, like you're right. Like, you weren't lying. No, she, she, the one thing about Kim, she was not lying. Yeah. Well, the other thing also, and going back to the point that I was making earlier, just quickly in terms of the way that Chris all plays into this is that I think what everyone is kind of picking up on is that Kim has almost become the placeholder for the things that Courtney would like to say to Chris, but can't, or or doesn't, you know, feel like she can speak to her mother like that, or doesn't want to rehash old issues, whatever it is. I think she sees so much of Chris and Kim and all of those qualities that are in Chris that rub Courtney the wrong way are now being presented to her in the form of her sister. So it's like all of these qualities that I'm bothered by, plus the person I'm most competitive with in the entire world is not making for a good combination. And I think that that's what we're seeing a lot of here. To me, that is 1000% what's taking place here. And also the fact that growing up, Kim and Courtney were pretty much raised as twins. You know, they were so close in age that the version of Kris Jenner that they were receiving for most of their lives was very similar. Yet the way that they took that in and chose to then latch onto her qualities and associate them with either positive or negative thoughts is hugely on display here. Because I think if I'm Courtney, I'm looking at Kim and I'm like, holy shit, in so many ways, you were all of the things that I couldn't stand about mom on fucking steroids. Like if, if uh, yes, if I'm Courtney, I am triggered by Kim for many reasons. One of those reasons being that a lot of the qualities that I dislike about my mom, Kim has in like the new and improved version. One unintended consequence of the show, which is like, it's been going on for so long that you're picking up on family dynamics that like, I don't think outside of your own family, like obviously the only way that you can analyze a situation like this is having had your own experiences of the way family pushes each other's buttons. But like, you don't really get to see that now that even like your best friend or even like the person closest to you in the entire world, like you never get to be in their home enough to understand really how those dynamics work. Like really where the mother, daughter, sister, sister competition comes into play. Like I think that for a lot of people viewing the show, such an unintended consequence of it is like you are viewing family dynamics in a way that like 
only you, your family, you know, the dynamics of, and their family, you know, the dynamics of that closely. Like, I don't think this applies to anybody else. I would say there are some people that they, they know the Kardashians better than they know their own family dynamic. If you're a kid that was a, a large age difference from your siblings and they were, let's say, at school the entire time you were growing up, you probably feel like you understand the Kardashians better than the your older siblings that weren't in your house understand what went on with you and your parents. Yeah. Like, it, uh, totally. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know, me too. Well, okay. Is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it, kid. Okay, I think so too. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. We'll be back obviously next week for the season finale. And then I'm sure there'll be a little bit of a mourning period after that. But, you know, good things go and they and they do come back. I also want to acknowledge someone uh, DM'd us. I actually wanted to tell you that I wanted to story this DM. It was so funny. It said, the post-credit scenes on Kardashians are Marvel level to me. And to that person, I, I fucking agree. Because I'll tell you one thing. Chloe talking about her camel toe is doing something that Chris Pratt on his best day never could. <laughs> Where did you pull Chris Pratt out of? Isn't he in Marvel? I think so. But God, that's so, it's such like a random person to pick. I don't even know if he's Marvel. No, he is. He is referred to as Peter Quill. Who is that? I don't know. Dave Bautista and Zoe Saldana are done with Marvel, but Chris Pratt isn't. Playing Star-Lord would be strange without James Gunn, but I would do it. None of those words were in the Bible. I know. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. All right. We love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. And we'll see you next week. Bye.